Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Nice. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the event horizon where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us today is the remarkable and inimitable Rob Paulson. Welcome to the show. Hello, Event Horizon listeners. Yakko here, broadcasting from the Warner Brothers Water Tower. So if the thing uh, cuts out, blame them. I am, after all, pretty much a stupid lab mouse and a couple of turtles. So I, <laughs> my uh, technical savvy is limited to uh, to that sort of uh, purview. Thank you very much for your patience. We're a couple of old film majors about your age, so perfect. Uh, we're no better. Well, then we can talk about all sorts of fun stuff, but it's very kind of you to... Uh, well, I read your book, and it's awesome. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you very much. It means a lot. It really, it does, because I, I and my uh, my co-writer Mike, who did all the heavy, really truly did all the heavy lifting. It's so nice to get uh, nice words from people who have no axe to grind one way or the other. You know, it's it's if you didn't like it, you could say, well, we read your book. Now let's talk about something else. So I'm, I'm really thank you for that. Well, it's very inspiring. Um, uh, we have a voiceover guy at the station, and he wrote it. He was so inspired by your words of, you know, what it meant, what what performing meant to you, yeah. that he went out and he nailed his next audition. Boom. Oh, how about that? <laughs> and as Boy. a matter of fact, uh, this audition, this casting uh, enables him to get his SAG card. Oh, God bless so, him. Well, please, please tell him congratulations. And honestly, that, you guys, is precisely what I wanted the book to to do. I I, I truly did. It's um, I mean, whether it's, you know, floral arranging, working on cars or acting, um, the idea was precisely that to, uh, y- you know, use my own experience which we all have our own human experience in my own context to, to elicit that sort of response. People certainly have done it for me and I'm so glad. Wow. Talk about day made. That's fantastic. There's, there's so much I wanted to ask you and it's all left my head. I'm, I'm, I have to admit to being a little starstruck, you know, oh, because my God. Well, bless your heart, Gene. That that is a again a very kind uh, remark, and certainly I'll accept the uh, humbling compliment and the spirit in which you've given it. But I have to tell you, look, man, I'm good at my job, just like you are. But um, I don't draw them and I don't write them, and it's not false modesty. Uh, the you know I got nothing uh, without 
uh, a script and mm-hmm. some talented people who know how to put it all together. But um, certainly there is something that I think sticks with people. Uh, an old song or hearing your mother or father's voice, you know, something that that really connects with people on a deep level. And especially if you're able to work uh, on projects as as, you know, sort of excellent from top to bottom as Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain. Those are two very, very smart shows. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to be able to have my stuff attached to those things, I think it gives me a little extra juice. But thank you so much for that kind remark. Well, you're changing lives already. And, thank you. And you have made such an indelible mark on popular culture as well. I mean, your, well, your voices are... Just yeah, re- recognizable I, 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 throughout the world now. We sat down with a best of Carl Weezer uh, video. Oh, a few I love that ago. guy. And I'm going, <laughs> God, is that Rob? I'm not sure. And then suddenly you were doing an accent yeah. for as Romeo to his Juliet, I, and suddenly, oh, there's Pinky. Okay, now I know. <laughs> so it's so, it's so odd, you guys. I um, well, I shouldn't say odd. It's odd in the most wonderful way. I I've been I'm 63 years old. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, and Long before I started doing animation, I was a singer who became an actor and all that. But I must say, um, I am probably have no, not even probably. I'm having way more fun now because I have this uh, really fortunate legacy. And now we get people my age, our age, um, even older and certainly younger who know at least one or usually two, if not all of these particular shows. And today I was in the paint store, for God's sake. I was over at uh, Dun Edwards Paint, <laughs> chatting with this lovely guy, probably 30. And he says, I'm so sorry. Are you are you a voice actor? And I said, I am. Are you with the IRS? How do you know that? <laughs> he said, "I are you Rob Pulse? I said, I am. How Again, how do you? He said, oh, my God, I you know, with the advent of social media, when I, I watched your listened and then watched your podcast. So that's mm. happening more and more and more. How what it is, is what you just place that grabs them. And and I'm in a better position than I've ever been because I could still work every day. Nobody cares what I look like. And I get to travel around the world and everybody knows Carl Weezer, Pinky, Yakko, Raphael, Donatello, you name it. And um, oh my God, it's way, it's just incredible. I, I'm I'm having the time of my life. Well, that's one of the great things about being a voice actor. As long as your yep. voice holds up, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you look like. And if you work from home, you don't have to wear any pants. Right. And God knows when I've been arrested for doing that anyway. So um, I uh, hope not. Uh, yeah, not kidding. But um, uh, in my case, I much prefer to be in the studios uh, with the other actors. But uh, yeah, you're right. I'm I'm only limited by my talent and my and the kindness of people to hire me. So, you know, barring something like throat cancer, I should be in good shape. Well, so, speaking uh, of which, you had a lot yeah. to say about that, and it was not it was not an easy read. No, thank. Well, thank you again. That um, is the idea. It was supposed to be not difficult, but but uh, clear and. Um, uh, sort of raw with a small R. My, my, uh, our, that is Mike's and my, our goal was not to be off-putting. However, uh, I think it tells the story better 
when you get a better idea of, of how tough the treatment is. And, and again, not just for me, for whomever uh, is unfortunate enough to have any cancer, certainly. Uh, but there are some that are um, treated in more aggressive ways. And the, the treatment options can be pretty difficult with this type of cancer for the obvious reasons. But I think then it makes the story even more powerful because the doctors did such a marvelous job it's one thing to be able to speak, but to be able to go back and singing and doing your job at a level where nobody replaces you is a pretty big deal. Yes, and it yes, just it speaks, is. Yeah, it just speaks to the um, power of uh, of what you know these doctors are are able to do. So um, yeah, I'm I'm a, a profoundly fortunate fellow to be sure. It must have been a life changing moment when you when you discovered yeah, well, that this was the real deal and that this was. Um, yeah, uh, it, it, totally. In fact, I remember clearly the internal getting, dialogues with Pinky are pointed. Yeah, um, got an inner um, got a um, the phone call, you know, from the doctor, and he said, uh, "How you doing?" And I said, "I don't know. How am I doing?" <laughs> and he said, "Well, you got cancer," and I have to say that I was already kind of prepped for that, but uh, uh, certainly when you hear it, it's a little disturbing. But remember, when I got diagnosed, I was 59 years old. And honestly, you guys, even if they had said, look, you better go home and make yourself comfortable and get your things in order because you're on your way out. I had nothing about which to be sad. I, yeah, nobody's interested in punching their ticket. And I know my, my wife and son would have preferred, you know, that that didn't happen. However, I had a fantastic career. I had lovely friends. I had had the experience of seeing how people respond to these characters I've I, I got the incredible privilege to speak to so many children um, who did not make it and, and, and hear how their parents were incredibly supportive of me. I, had n I don't know that I could have had a better career, but that's not what they said. They said, we're virtually sure we can cure you. We don't know if we can get you to a place where you'll be able to do your job again, but we certainly can cure you. Um, but before we do, we almost have to kill you. And that wasn't too far from the truth. And we said, okay, off we go. The, the silver, maybe even platinum lining about the whole experience was that once I got into treatment and once it really got tough is when I start to, started to really realize the extent to which these characters were so very helpful to so many children and their families and then ultimately to me. And that was what I never, never knew. I really, truly never knew how deeply those characters uh, meant to me and ultimately helped me through my own uh, difficult time. And, and that was, uh, you know, an unexpected, deeply joyful experience. A very surprising gift. Yes, hugely surprising. You are, uh, you are so confident in, your, uh, in where you are in your life now. But 30 years ago, where were you? Well, 30 years like ago, then? I had a five-year-old and wondering how the hell am I going to make enough money so a kid can live to be six. I uh, um, was working pretty steadily at around, yeah, actually in th around this time, 33 was about the point at which I was, uh, I'd been making a living for about five years already in LA, but by living, I just mean a better quality of ramen, you know, not, not a, <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. But certainly not much more than 
uh, rent and car payment and a couple of things of ramen. But I have to say, never in my life, my professional life, did I ever feel sorry for myself for more than about 30 seconds, precisely because um, of my my folks, like millions of others, have really wonderful examples of that good, solid Midwestern work. And they were like, look, if you want to be in show, it's fine. You're old enough to be drafted, et cetera, et cetera. But the money that used to follow you to the University of Michigan doesn't follow you to Hollywood. I just hope you know that. And you will take a punch when it sucks and you'll reap the benefits if it works. And so when it sucked and when it still sucks, I never complained because never once did my parents shove a gun at my head and say, you got to be an actor. This is a choice. And um, I, I was able to sort of comfort myself, even when I had periods where it was really desperate. And I forgot that. And as the book is about, I relearned it and found that sort of uh, drive and Jones again. And I just had to remind myself of what it was that got me out here in the first place when I was 23 or 22 years old. But even when it got pretty tough, I'd feel sorry for myself for about 30 seconds. Say, all right, you want to do something else? No. Has anybody forced you to be here? No. Does it suck at the moment? Yes. What are you going to do? I don't know. Probably nothing else. So, all right, suck it up and off you go. And so that was, um, that's kind of where I was five years ago. I'd have, I was getting to the place where I was making a living and then a couple, a couple of months would go by and it would go down the, the, the dumper again. And then I would get back up. So it was much more kind of all over the map. Uh, let's see. At five, in, in, uh, my son would have been five. So 1989, we actually bought this home in which I'm speaking to you from now. Um, so I've had this home for 30 years. First home we ever bought. We now have a vacation home. But I remember probably for the first six months in this home, every time I'd write the mortgage check, I think, who, what on earth were they thinking? giving a mortgage to a guy like me. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I used to be a contractor too. I did uh, practical oh effects my. for yeah. like 10 years and then I was in the game industry and that was like not much better. Yeah. And uh and life was like that. And Yeah. Totally. And 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 I I know that it is for a lot of people especially you know freelancers and especially in our business. Uh, so that that's kind of where I was and I had really gotten to the place, uh, let's see, where I was, I had not yet abandoned on camera. And when I say abandoned, it was only because the voice thing was working out so well. And I was starting to work a lot. Uh, Animaniacs had yet to come along, but I was doing a lot of really great stuff, the mask and the tick and mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles and Tiny Tunes. What and, voice did you play in the tick? Which one? Uh, I was Arthur. I played... Um, you oh. were Arthur. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that show. So what it. what show was he not in? I think maybe maybe Betty oh. Boop, but only because he's right. not old enough. And, yeah. and when I, they bring well, that back, he'll be in there too, I'm sure. Thank God. I listen, from your lips to God's checkbook, I'm I'm so grateful to <laughs> find a way to you know keep this going. But uh so yeah, I was just really starting to kill it in animation. And we bit the bullet, bought a house out here in Agoura Hills. And um, I was pretty much committed to voice work, but uh, certainly enough to where I could buy a house. But it was still, well, like all of us, it's still month to month. It's just the standard of living is a little higher. And I, my month to month has got to be, you know, commensurate. But so, yeah, 30 years ago, it was 
let's see if we can pay for this house. And the, um, the book is such an interesting, interesting chronology because I've had more than a number of times where I've gone, oh my God, I, I'm not working. How am I going to make the, but the voice lesson, uh, quote unquote, one of which was learning that the, the last thing you should do is panic. You look at your track record, you suck it up as best you can, and you move forward in the moment to set up the next moment. And here I am talking to you nice folks 30 years later, and the number of times that I've kind of, you know, freaked out about stuff, I've never missed a house payment, never missed a car payment. I've uh, been a little backwards with the IRS once or twice, and then I fixed that. But I'm still here, and people are nice enough to hire me. So somehow it works out, and the last thing that I need to do ever, and it's taken me forever to learn it, is to panic. It just never works. It never <laughs> helps. And now the most recent development is that, uh, you know, the big, the big leak, the big story leak. <laughs> yeah, how about that? <laughs> I felt like I was in trouble, but no, it wasn't me being in trouble. Oh my because goodness. we I, because we found out that uh, yeah. through some uh, online reporting from some other service uh, that in your book you had mentioned uh, right. the Animaniacs are coming back. I <laughs> know, I, isn't that great? I, I, it's kind of like the folks at at Warner Brothers said. It's kind of like the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Yeah, um, at, least, at least in that realm. And we certainly don't compare ourselves with. Uh, you know, Brad Pitt and, uh, and and all the famous fancy people. But that particular show, and anytime you're working with Mr. Spielberg, it's a big deal. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bo and Pinky and the Brain has become arguably uh, as popular as Animaniacs of its, of its own volition or its own separate self. And um, to be involved with two of them is a, not was, is a big deal. And moreover, to be able to kind of what we were talking about earlier, to have a career in which I've been able to not only do the work, but have a great kid, be married for 120 years um, to somebody <laughs> put up with a lot of that craziness, but also to have had the great. And I, 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 and I, I think as a result of the book, people understand what I mean when I say the gratitude, the, the, the gift of having had cancer and um I, it's rare to look at it at the time, and I don't mean to diminish the devastating effects of it. We all, sadly, know someone who's been touched by it, whether it's personally or people tangentially, and many of them don't make it. However, if the context is right, in my case, it's been nothing short of a gift. Now, I have this incredible opportunity to work with Mr. Spielberg and my friends again on two shows that are exponentially uh, larger in terms of fan base than they were when they premiered. We, we have generations least, of the same Right? Yeah, exactly. Thanks to the internet. Say, right. Thanks to the internet, social media, nice people like you. We have at least two generations uh, of people who really love this work. And now we've been celebrating it for years and, and now we're fixing to make new ones. And I have had the, the experience of my cancer and I've recovered. And now I am going to be in a position to say, okay, here's what I did. Then I got cancer. 
Okay, I got through the cancer. And now Mr. Spielberg says, let's do it again. Oh, and you're doing it again. I can't tell the difference. Off we go. I am in this glorious position and with nice folks like you help me, we are going to be able to really inspire people, really make a difference. It's so much bigger than an action figure. And I never in a million years would have known it, you guys. It's a glorious experience. I, I Were it not for the fact that I don't shut up, I'd be speechless. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's been ha that was half of your healing process of no force on earth could have kept you from talking. Well said. And, <laughs> and, you know, honestly, a, I think it was, I think it was one of the interviewers or maybe one of the people who endorsed my book. I don't recall, but some very sweet soul said, you know, Rob, can, it can be argued that his voice now is louder than ever. And, um, it's the truth. I, I, when I sit and contemplate it, and I did a lot during my treatment when I really was unable to speak for a couple of months, and it was a little bit negative because I didn't really know if I'd be able to come through. And as, as, is, in the, as is noted in the book, I knew about the uh, reboot, at least to the extent that Mr. Spielberg wanted to do it. I just didn't know if I could, if I could be part of it. And I knew that if I wasn't, it would probably sink the whole circumstance. There's no point in bringing back one and not everybody. Yeah. And, uh, and it was really tough to contemplate that. Then when it was clear that I was going to be able to do it, I started to contemplate what we just touched on. I am a lottery winner, you guys. Not necessarily financially. It'd be nice to make a lot more money. But I am a lottery winner because I will be able to do something for a living, which I would do for free. It's that important to me. And, and then not only do I get paid, I get to help. And, and I, I don't even know how to quantify what that means in the context of a career. How many people get to do what they do and buy dog food and toilet paper with the money and then, you know, punch their ticket knowing that they might have helped people get through an impossibly difficult circumstance? I, I don't even know how to, how to be more grateful. It's impossible. We want to carry your books like for the rest of the school year. Oh, uh, <laughs> thank yeah. you. Uh, that's so sweet. Uh, and honestly, it means so much to me because it's a brand new venture. Um, my my co-writer, Mike, is a pro. But boy, that's another thing I learned. I, uh, having your story, uh, having one's story uh, read back to you in, in a chronological order in the context in which you live it, you kind of go, oh, yeah, well, that was cool. Oh, yeah, that was kind of, my God, I forgot. But when someone knows what the hell they're doing and they know how to construct the story and call back and say, hey, why don't we start out with you telling one of your characters and how that, you know, improvise that. Let's put it together. And it is an interesting book. It's an interesting read. Not so much because I had cancer. Millions of people at cancer memoirs, sadly, are a dime a dozen. But when you have a professional writer that knows how to contextualize a story and make it readable, now you got something. And, well, you're, and it you're, really is a pretty damn good book. I'm very proud of it. Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything about the co-writer, but since you mentioned him, please, you know, is it someone you knew or is it someone that they, you know, they hooked you up with when you wanted to write a memoir? Or you know, It was Lori. It was our good friend, Lori DeWall. Talk about ah. that's, a, that's another thing. You see, this is what happens when people like you are nice enough uh, to, to do just this, be patient with me and let me figure out my, you know, technical side so we can chat. I, again, uh, have another 
person in the context of our friend Lori, mm-hmm. uh, who is There's one a publicist who hooks bad, us up. I mean, one badass publicist. Oh my God, I. Uh, she I didn't just fall off the turnip truck, did she? She was no. She's been at and, this and you know what? I got to tell you guys. Um, I had a publicist uh, years ago for some other thing that I was trying to work with, and th- this sweet lady was a good publicist, but she didn't really get. I mean, she she was a fan, and she got what I did to the extent that she grew up with it. And she's, oh my god, I love this, I love that, and blah 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 blah. However. Lori is my age, our age, whatever. And mm-hmm. the difference between a, a tough Hollywood chick, and she would take that absolutely as a compliment, mm-hmm. the, 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 the way in which she goes about her business, what a difference. I am telling you, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, but holy smoke, has she... I was in New York for the launch of my book a couple weeks ago. I had 15 mm-hmm. in five days. 15 separate interviews on camera, different TV things, podcasts, print, uh, you know, whatever, uh, social media. Oh, my God. And Mm -hmm. all the different locations. And every one of them was like, oh, my God. You know, we love Lori. We love it's remarkable. And boy, have I learned that lesson. So I get to work with uh, Lori, put me in touch with Mike Fleeman, who's my co-writer. And so I not only have now two really wonderful professional friends but man, have I learned a lot about how to promote myself, both in the new age and with uh, coupling that with people who know their stuff, who are my age. It, it really is a remarkable combination because I'm like I said, I'm no spring poulet and I'm, <laughs> I'm, figuring out, I'm really figuring out how to do it. And people, you know, 30, 30, 25, 15, 18, they're responding to to us. It's a pretty cool thing. Well, what you do is timeless. The the performances you give are timeless. Well, thank you. Everybody knows everybody knows a Carl. Everybody knows a Yacker like Yakko. Everyone everyone knows a lab rat. Well everybody knows a goofball. Well, that's true, you guys. And and uh, again, it's it's what is that axiom that we've all grown up with that luck is when opportunity meets preparation? I'm telling you, I, I it is the absolute truth. However, I think part of the other side of the coin is knowing when it's your opportunity. And and um, I've had a couple of those. We all have epiphanal moments in our lives in which we kind of have this feeling like, holy crap, I really got to nail this. But I've had more than my share of those moments at which I hope my preparation is up to the opportunity that is presenting itself. And I think part of my good fortune has been knowing that, okay, dude, this is your pitch. And to the extent you are able to put a little more juice into it, or if you've got an extra dose of juice because you just had a fight with your wife or your car's broken, or you're a little bit short this month on your, you know, your bills, you got to put that aside even more because this is a pitch and you cannot, you cannot leave this audition with anything left in the tank. And I have had those moments, and I have been aware of them. Animaniacs was an example at which I had known Tom Ruger and, and Andre Romano and the folks who created Tiny Tunes for years before Animaniacs. And when it was clear what was going on, and even clearer to me that this is my pitch, 
it's the first time and the only time that I've walked up to a producer and said in confidence, if you guys don't hire me for this, you're making a mistake. And I knew that I would still have to audition. I was not naive and I was not arrogant. It was confidence. And uh, I knew that I still could have not gotten the job, but I also knew that they'd have to show me that there was somebody better for me than this one. Because I'd already done my homework on Tiny Tunes mm -hmm. and I could sing. And I'm more of I could sing in character. And I was right. And I've had a couple of times since then, 10 years later, it was uh, Jimmy Neutron. And mm -hmm. they said, uh, Steve um, Odekirk said, what do you got? You got anything? And I sh they showed me the picture. And I said, I have so got this guy. Totally. <laughs> and, yeah, and Carl... I was literally what I said. And I know that other actors feel the same way by the same token. I've had my share. I had three callbacks for Fry on Futurama. And you know what? They hired the right guy. Billy West is mm. an icon. And he absolutely was the right guy. But at, when it all shakes out, you guys, I've had way more than my share. And as a result of being prepared, great timing, and moreover, being aware of it, uh, you're right. I think I can lay claim to a few pretty well-known characters that resonate with people. And that, I think, you said it better than I. That is what is the magic of these characters. If you have a character that you can resonate with, um, whether it's a live-action character, whether it's you know Lou Grant or Ted Knight or Mary Tyler Moore or Lucy or Yakko, they're utterly timeless. It doesn't necessarily have to do with the medium. It's about uh, the connection with the character. And um, and so thank you for, for saying that, because I think you're right. And I am. Boy, am I grateful. Have you ever walked into a, a, a situation where everything was going so right that it it felt like much bigger than you and really spooky that you knew that you were in the right place at the right time? I'm going to tell you something right now that I've never told anyone and precisely because you asked it and you, I mean, I'm, I'm almost a little tongue tied because that time is right now. And for the reasons we've touched on, I'm almost afraid is, I, I hate that word because I, I try to keep afraid in the context, you know, like I, I wolf life cries wolf a lot to me, you guys. And so I like to use words like, fright and terror to be available in the context that they're when they really mean what they're about. But what I am going through now is something that feels to me bigger than I could ever have imagined. And I don't mean running for office. I don't mean, you know, uh, being Bill Gates. I certainly think I can make a whole lot of money. But the, the glory of that aspect is that if I'm able to do what I think I can do, I will be able to do that and share it because of of the notoriety that I'll be able to uh, cultivate as a result of the message I have vis-a-vis -vis my story, especially with cancer. Now, it's also including folks on the autism spectrum. I've had the incredible good fortune over the last few years of seeing the extent to which people on the spectrum connect often with animated characters. And you guys, it is nothing short of astonishing to watch. And that is another arrow in this, this quiver, quiver of, of amazingness. 
Yes, honestly. <laughs> and and I, I feel, and I, again, I, I am like, I feel like this conduit. So your question was so important because it's the first time that I've actually acknowledged, even to my wife, I told her a couple of years ago when I started working, I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I think I got a book in me. Took me, you know, 30 rejection letters. I got a book deal. Okay, here's what I can do. I can blah, blah, blah. And I think I can, and it's happening. It's all happening. A lot of hard work, incredible work by Lori, and certainly some excellent timing. However, I've been a little bit reticent to admit that I'm feeling like this is, this is really taken off at, at, a, at a good pace, at a nice, steady, you know, upswing. It's not like, but I also am ready for it. Had I had the opportunities I have now, firstly, I don't know that I could have handled the cancer thing. It was, it was a lot to put my head around, not nearly as much as it would have been had I had a young child and a young wife. So my timing for me personally is also really excellent because I know how to handle notoriety. I know how to handle a punch. I know how to handle a, di a disease that could, a diagnosis that could kill me. I'm in a much better position to handle even significant fame and fortune than I was before because I know what I want to do with it. And I've also seen the results of what I do with it on a one-to-one -one level at Comic-Cons or talking to folks like you. I have a superpower. I have two sweet people on the other end of this call. And all I have to do is say, Nerf! <laughs> Yes. And yes, we, you, you do. Can make us go squee. <laughs> How about that? How about that? Now, I know because I've, I've been on the giving end of that. And when I say giving, that's small G. I, I don't mean, you know, change lives. But I've also been on the receiving because I've gotten to work with people who are at that level. June Ferre and Mel Blank and people. Oh, what dear people? All those Dawes Butler. So the moment 30 odd years ago that Gordon Hunt said, hey, Robbie, Mel Day, do you want to sit next to Mel? Said, of course. I remember mustering up the courage. I was probably 77, like everyone with Paul's. I'm a fan. Uh, if you don't mind, would you mind? And he knew what I wanted. <laughs> looked at me and he said, yeah, it's a duck. And of course, it was like having a seizure. And <laughs> Yeah, I totally get it. I totally I, get that. Uh, and again, Right. Right. Totally. And I because I know what I'm talking about. So now I'm in a position, just like I mentioned it before, about financially, uh, with respect to handling fame and fortune, all of that. My sense of empathy, my desire to give back is so much bigger now, precisely because of what I've been through. And. I, and so when you say, you know, have you been in a position where you think something is just bigger than you? Yeah. This is it. It's fantastic. I think every minute of every day from now on. Well, huh? Yes, it truly is. I really learned literally how to live in the moment and how important that is. And and um, I I have had even as recently as last Thursday, I had to go. I had to. We were we did an episode of uh, uh, Animaniacs in concert in Hawaii. Mm. And when I left. You know, I live, you guys are going through it. I live in Agora and we're, you know, waiting for the winds to come up, all of that. So I totally get it. Well, my wife was, you know, she wasn't angry, but she was very like, oh my God, you have to go. And I said, well, barring a fire, 
or an imminent one, or God forbid you or me or our son or our daughter-in-law being sick. Yeah. I mean, we sold, you know, a thousand tickets and it's different than going to a convention because I'm, the, you know, Randy and I are the show. They've all paid so, by the chair. Right. So, but, but here's the, here's what's happened to me so much as a result of the cancer. And before that hitting rock bottom in my fifties, not because of alcohol, or anything like that, but because it's the nature of the beast in which we live, right? It's part of show business. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned is to just take a breath and say, all right, here, here's the deal. I can postpone, I can miss a few interviews and still go and make the show and be back home and blah, 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 blah. And got home, everything was fine. Rob 1.0 would have gone, oh, Jesus, oh, I don't know. Maybe I got to, hi, Randy, I don't know. Maybe we should, okay, God, you got to. I'd maybe cancel and then everything would shake out and it would have been fine. And I would have wasted a ton of energy and been angry that I canceled. Whereas even if I canceled, I, I say it now with a clear head, like, hmm. yeah, you know what? I, I think, yeah, okay, we're going to cancel. And then there's no regrets if I cancel and there's still no fire. I didn't have angst, didn't have craziness. So now I'll let something shake out. And most of the time, it's life crying wolf again. It's not you're going to miss the, the thing, the, the, the house payment. It's not, oh, my God, you're going to die from cancer. But you're not going to die. So let's learn. Express that to others. And I've already had the glorious opportunity of hearing people who are literally in tears on the other side of the phone going, please tell me I'm going to be OK. Oh, and I boy. say, well. Let's let's take this a step at a time. And again, you guys are giving me the opportunity to do this. And I'm so grateful to get that off my chest where I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is a big deal. Uh, honestly, I, I'm in a position I never thought I'd be in. And it's way bigger than anything I've ever done in my career, both with respect to actual work, income and the ability to use that at a much higher helpful level. And it's a little bit freaky, but I'm ready for it. And and I, I think this is another one of those opportunity meeting preparation. Who knew, you guys? We just never know. We are so glad that you had the career that you did because of all of the wonderful entertainment you've been able to provide to us and our families. And, and, and we're are so still providing. Thank you. This is in the current Yes. Oh, and it's in the Thank present you. tense. And we're very proud of you as well, as though you were part of our family. Oh, oh my goodness. You know, how, how on earth could you be any sweeter? I, I, when, when someone who is a new friend and a professional, fellow professional, tells you that or a person who is and i put this with a small j just a fan you guys know what i'm talking about i don't mean mm -hmm. to you know i don't mean that in disparagingly at all but a person whom you meet in the context of a fan and anyone tells you that how on earth could a performer ask for a greater compliment look i've been rich and i've been poor and rich is better we all have but that is so much bigger than a paycheck that is a direct reaction to the stuff that I and my friends have done. And, and it means that you've let us in over and over and over again. And moreover, you're willing to do it again. That's, that's very rare in our business to do something and then go to from character to character to show to show where you can do something that a fan base, friend base, you, you happen to cultivate 
sticks with you and say, you know what, that's that's what we strive for. There are very few people who I'm finding who can get out here at 22 and still be working at 63. And I'm going to be in a, be in a position probably to only stop working when I feel like I want to stop. How unusual is that? I, I'm I, and th- so thank you. You're the ones who are making this possible. It's not it is not hyperbole. This is as a result of you guys giving us um, a chance to do it. Yeah, but look at your your mentors and your heroes, like your oh, June, here, here. June Foray and Dawes Butler and yeah. Mel Blank. They all worked into their eighties and beyond. Right, as, you know, as long they as anybody did. would let them. They did, and you have to shoot great. a voice actor. You can't get rid of them any other way. That's we're damn right. We're <laughs> we're kind of like a cold sore, you know. We can't. Oh my god! Look at that. There's Rob Paulson on my lip again. <laughs> But oh, no. honestly, you guys, and you probably know this because you're in broadcasting and you, you know, um, meet other actors and stuff. But I got to tell you, man, I've had the, you know, great good fortune doing on camera stuff. A lot of famous friends who do TV and movies. They're all lovely. But even they will tell you that the kindest and I submit most purely gifted actors, utterly devoid of pretense, are voice talent. The people you've mentioned, June. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and yeah. I can call that's, her June because she was just like, call me June, honey. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, but to my own peers, Nancy Cartwright, Frank Welker, Peter Cullen, Maurice LaMarche, Tress McNeil, they're the kindest, most unassuming, unpretentious people in the world. And then they open their mouths and it's freaking magical. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm, you're right. And I work with people who inspire me every day. That's that's awesome stuff. And you're going to do it again very soon with uh, Animaniacs. How about that's just right? going to be a party every day? Jesus, I know, and I can't <laughs> pinch it. My, I, I'm like, oh my god, we're going to do this again. And 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 the people working with the new episodes have grown up watching the old ones, and they're thrilled and at the same time freaked out because of high the bar, how high the bar is. But that's good. That's what we want. We want to have those nerves. We want to have that desire to say, wow, I better, I got to be up to the task. Yeah. Uh, And the ultimate beneficiary is, as it should be, the fan base, the audience. You should expect high quality stuff. And if you don't like it, you turn the channel. And that's exactly the way it should be, in in my view, because it's about, it's about competition. It's about making it better for everybody. And And all it does is make me better at my job. Because I don't want to rest on my laurels. Rob Paulson, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Event Horizon. It has been uh, a delight, an absolute delight. Voice Lessons by Mr. Rob Paulson. And uh, you can find the book on Amazon. It is available now. In your local bookstore or at my house, I think. I've <laughs> got a, a copy or two around here. And it's, it's a very edifying read. Thank you for joining Thank us. Thank you. Thank you. That's very, very kind. The fact that a, a, a nice person like you would use the term edifying in the same context as Yakko or Pinky um, <laughs> is quite, um, quite edifying to me, I must tell you. And it makes me all nerfy inside. You have been listening to episode 211 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for November 2nd, 2019. Our guest this evening has been the uniquely talented Mr. Rob Paulson, who is the voice behind Pinky of Pinky and the Brain, Yakko of the Animaniacs Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, 
Two Ninja Turtles, Carl Weezer from Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius, and hundreds of other roles. We have been discussing his new book, Voice Lessons, now available on Amazon.com and wherever fine books are sold. This episode will air again on November 3rd, 2019 at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow afternoon, that's Sunday, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website at kryptonradio.com as podcasts. Krypton Radio is listener-supported sci-fi geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. We are asking you to visit patreon.com slash kryptonradio and pledge $5 a month to help keep the station on the air. Give the gift of geek music to your friends by helping support the world's only full-time sci-fi geek culture radio station. That's patreon.com slash kryptonradio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by science fiction illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2019 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Krypton Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.